This episode of the Podular Modcast is brought to you by Recovery Effects and Devices. Quality handmade effects and modules paying homage to classic synth and effects designs while innovating for today's studios and musicians. Hello, my name is my Tim Held. And I'm Ian Price. Welcome to the Podular Modcast, where we rise and fall the waves of modular synthesis. What's up, Pod Mod Bods? Welcome to the Podular Modcast. Um, today is an interesting episode. I don't want to play favorites. It's just different than past episodes. And it's kind of going in more of the direction that I, I want to go in that it's it gets real. We get we get dark and we get light and it's ultimately uplifting. Um, but, but we're talking to Lisa Belladonna. If you don't know who she is, she um, is an amazing musician plays keys like a mad scientist crazy genius and jazz drumming and an amazing guitarist she has a new album out on Bandcamp called omnipresent and i highly recommend it she's kind of like the brand ambassador for earthquaker devices does a lot of the demo videos goes to a lot of the cons um and we're going to talk a little bit about that but we also talk about depression in this and that's something that I actually want to become a little bit more vocal about. Um, and I promise I'm not going to bring it into this show like too heavily. So don't worry. We're not, we're not switching gears too hard, but I want to take the opportunity to just, um, say that I've, I've dealt with depression since I was 10 or 12 years old. The circumstances in my life don't seem to really affect it. I could be doing very well on paper and be feeling very, very depressed, or I could, uh, you know, maybe things aren't going so great in the real world, but I don't, actually don't feel too bad. That's that's not, you know, so it's not it's not circumstantial for me, which is very strange. Um, and it's kind of a mindfuck when things are are going really well, and all you want to do is, you know, hide in a bedroom and, and sleep. Um, so I guess I wanted to talk about this because one a one of the reasons I got into podcasting was because podcasts offered me a lot of refuge and, and helped me come out of depression um, on more than one occasion. Uh, so I kind of wanted to try to pay that forward. I also know that doing this will um, kind of keep me going. If I Part of the whole thing of doing a weekly show is I have to, I've made, my, I've made a promise to myself and now to you guys that I'm going to get you a show every week unless something really crazy happens. Um, so I've been fighting through any like sort of depression that would when I want to just go to bed it's like well I have to get this episode out so thank you for listening and I also just wanted to uh, you know talk about this in case someone out there is dealing with some some depression right now or has been um, it always it is always nice to hear someone else talk about it and to hear Lisa Belladonna talk about it in this episode was very inspiring to me I felt like I was talking to some sage oracle shaman or something uh yeah anyways it was a lot of fun thanks for letting me get serious and if any of you guys out there are having a particularly hard time don't hesitate to reach out to me i don't know if there's really anything i could do for you but if there is let me know um but let's switch gears let's uh let's get back into a good mood um just fyi the music that you've been hearing through this intro is actually lisa belladonna uh, from the album omnipresent um and now let's talk about some dates and some upcoming events all right, July 7th, we have the Dark Sparkler 
album release show, um, we're actually going to be talking to Kyle, who is Dark Sparkler, in a future episode. Um, but just a little preview, he made an entire album with a Bukla Music Easel uh, recorded to reel-to-reel tape. Uh, that show is going to be at The Rendezvous in Seattle um, from 6.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. So try to get there right there at 6 30 because shows tend to start at the time that they say they do on the events these days so yeah 6 30 to 9 p.m um the animals at night who do our theme song will be uh playing with them along with donald crunk who uh works with uh patchworks here in seattle and then uh lim and jaya aka josh lim who is one half of modular on the spot seattle so yeah a lot of seattle love going on there um and then speaking of modular on the spot seattle july 14th cal anderson park so uh go check out modular on the spot seattle to get their whole summer series dates um a new gang just contacted me modular houston they're having a meetup friday july 13th at sound exchange record store and that event starts at 7 30 if you want your events promoted get at me on any of the social medias or email or whatever you know the drill by now um quick note ian had to leave halfway through the conversation so you'll notice he completely disappears um he had some issues with some flooding in his house so um yeah sorry about that but uh let's uh let's let's get into it with lisa belladonna well i mean i've been an arp 2600 user for i don't know 30 years i guess um oh man so, you know, I've had a pair of those in one way or the other for about that time. And I've, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, a, I'm from a different school of modular synthesis. You know, I didn't come up in the Euro rack craze, which I think is amazing. I just, um, you know, I come at it from a little bit of a different way, you know, a little bit more of a fossil, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what can I say? But yeah, no, I've, I've got to work on EMU systems and polyfusion systems and surge systems years ago. And, um, I did, um, I stopped pretty much everything I was doing and did music concrete and studied some physics of music and orchestration with it, uh, for about four years, um, in my late twenties, you know, so I don't know if that counts for anything, but, um, Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. You're, you're an amazing player, keyboardist and guitarist. And I know that you've given lessons and, um, yeah. How did you find music and like, how did that all develop and, and, and how did you develop your tastes and everything? Um, when I was young, very young, um, three years old, I lived up in Cleveland area and my my aunt, my mother's sister, was a musician, and her daughter was a very, you know, young, enthusiastic rock and roll fan and follower and stuff. And, uh, you know, she hit me to a lot of really good rock and roll of the mid, early mid-70s and, and took me to concerts and sound checks. And, and you know, my aunt um, used to set me up on the big Wurlitzer organ with the lights and all that and um you know i really just i was immediately attracted to music and you know pretty much by then that's all i was interested in um i used to go watch bands rehearse at holiday inns and i would just sit there and very patiently wait for any chance to interact and that just turned into you know people giving me records at that around that age three four years old and and so it just developed, you know, by the time I was, you know, 
you know, I don't know, seven, you know, I was already going to concerts and, you know, had a lot of records and I would memorize everything on the records, you know, everything, you know, whatever, whatever I could. And, uh, going into actually starting to play music, um, you know, I just used the library, you know, I pretty much lived at the library and, and studied every possible book and record that I could get my hand on. And, uh, I went through a phase where I would get records from the library and I would try to learn a piece every day off of some, you know, I would just close my eyes and go through every section of of the record area of the library. And <laughs> I would try to just, you know, learn everything that I could, you know, and use the books that I had and, you know, and then, you know, I don't know, it just all developed as, you know, I just kept finding, finding new ways to, to develop you know, my abilities and awareness of music more than anything else, really. It's really just about the awareness of music. I think the abilities just kind of come naturally or they don't, depending on one's intentions. Yeah. It's it's funny you, you mentioned the, the seven albums thing. I actually have that written down because I, I, I read that article, um, Columbus Alive. You would just blindly choose these, yes, these albums. That's kind correct. Of skipping around genres and, and not choosing, but letting letting those kind of find you. And, and you were like forcing yourself to kind of learn all the different genres. And I, I after reading that, I was like, why didn't I think of that when I was a kid? You know, I liked so much music even then. I'm still pretty all over the map now with what I listen to at home. And, you know, it's hard to tell what I'm going to put on, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, now I'm trying to I'm trying to pick a lane, as I said in the article. You know, I'm trying to do more, stay focused on what it is I want to do. And hopefully that whatever that wide range is. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, I love that. There's there's a quote in there where you say something like you jumped around so much and it I forgot I forgot what the quote was, but it's something um at at the expense of your career or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, that. I, I mean like, at this point, I, you know, yeah, I mean I blew my 20s, you know, I mean I just pretty much like <laughs> I you know, and the you know, and the way where I came up in my 20s, you know, is the late 80s, early 90s and I mean, what a horrible time to be you know, a, a very musical musician, um, from, I mean, you know, I mean, there's stuff I like from the era, but it's pretty thin, you know? Uh, yeah, I like hardcore crust punk and stuff, you know, and death metal from that era, but whew, you know, I mean, it's just like, wow, you know, I mean, so I basically just, you know, I just disappeared and I went off and sold all my digital gear that I had and began buying, you know, analog synthesizers and keyboards and things that I could touch and develop a rapport with, not something that, you know, I would work on it until the screen would go blank. And I was like, well, it sounded like shit in the first place. So let's just throw this <laughs> out into the alley. And, you know, I pick up a, you know, a fucking poly Moog for 30 bucks back then, you know, that even if it didn't totally work, it still sounded better. And I could use my hands. I could control it. I could, you know, I, you know, studied, I played, I learned on an organ a lot and of course, guitar and drums, you know, and, um, so I like, I like that. I like to be able to have touch response with whatever it is I'm playing and, and keyboards and synthesizers of that era were not a great, a great opportunity for that, you know? So I just pretty much left the nineties and went as far into the seventies as possible, 
you know, and and then I was kind of like a secret session musician, and I did a lot of hotels, and I mean, I really, I've got a, it doesn't make any sense, you know, my history, but, you know, it's my life, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, it enabled me a sort of um, invisibility to allow me to develop my own ideas, you know, that's really it, you know, and nobody wanted anything to do with those ideas during that, you know, sort of 20 year period. I was, I was just watching the, um, what, what is that, that modular movie, I Dream of Wires. And that was a huge, a huge part of that was talking about kind of how, you know, like the DX7 came on the scene and, and, and kind of stopped like interesting synthesis in its tracks. I, I, I started feeling bad for the people. Like I was like, oh, I'm so gl like, I'm glad I wasn't going through like a love of synthesis at that time when that showed up because it seemed like it really did some weird stuff to it. Well, I think the intentional development got crisscrossed. You know, you had this mm -hmm. amazing development of analog and digital synthesis throughout the 60s and 70s. And, you know, and then the whole music game started to tighten and, you know, and string players and horn players weren't getting enough work anymore. And, you know, these kinds of things were a reality and synthesizers came in and, oh, well, I can make this stupid ass fucking emulator sound like a horn and <laughs> You know, and I'm the one getting the jingle work, you know, and that's kind of what Thanks, in, in the late, pardon my language, um, in oh, the, no, that you can cuss all you want in the late eighties, you know, that was as a teen, that's what I started doing is I was immediately going in and doing jingle work and, and post-production work. It was kind of like walking into a dream, you know, and, but unfortunately wow. some of the people that I worked for, even though they had great gigs and stuff, there was a lot of drugs and stuff going on and. And at that age, especially, I was I wanted to be as far away from that as possible. And even if it cost me being around, you know, a walls of synthesizers and, you know, pretty much guys paying me to to use them all day, um, you know, I just, I walked away from it. And, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. And I just, that's, like I said. Uh, that know. shows some resolve to be able to walk away from not only getting paid to do music, but also to walk away from you know stuff like like partying and stuff when you're when you're young so hats off to you there i don't know if i could have done that well you know i grew up in a very dysfunctional environment so you know and that you know was a i'm glad i guess in a way um to a degree um yeah but it taught me to you know pick and choose you know pick and choose what it is you want to resonate your energy with and you know you know i'm laid back now but i'm still you know, what gets me up every day is, you know, my daughter and the promise to get to make music and to create, you know, that's it. You know I mean? That's my, that's, that's what I just, I'm so excited every day to get to do those things. And that's, that's enough high for me, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, how do you feel that the modern era of releasing music has changed what you are able to work on? Uh, you have a beautiful band camp page, which I think we we want to send everybody to. For sure. Yeah. And yeah thank new you. New album just out too. Omnipresence. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, that's just Lisa Belladonna Bandcamp dot com. Yes. There's a number of albums there. Yeah, there's but, a few. I'm curious. This seems like a. Uh, it does seem like a labor of love, and 
I'm curious if the way that you worked on music and your relation with it changed when you were able to reach out to people directly. Yes and no. Um, you know, I've got literally a, a library of tapes of records that I've done since the late 80s, literally. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't necessarily do them to get any sort of acclaim. I just did them. You know, that was part of what got me into making music in the first place was that my infatuation with records, like, you know, like looking at a side of a record is almost a curve or a, a landscape, a composition, you know, and then you flip it over and then this other, this whole other experience happens, you know, and that's kind of like a big thread about what I do, you know what I mean? And that's still kind of what really gets me super excited about recording music. At this point, I've really kind of become more of a live musician. I mean, the bulk of what I do is live and I really rarely ever get to record my own records, but I'm really struggling and trying hard to make that, to change that. Um, <clears throat> but to answer your question directly, I think it's a, I think it's a great time. You know, I think that, you know, like I said, coming up through the nineties, it was like a, a fucking wasteland. Nobody wanted to hear <laughs> anything and there was no real way to do it easily other than cassettes or, you know, which I did a few of those, but Jesus Christ, the stuff I was doing then is so out there, you know, who cares? <laughs> who cares now either? I mean, but you know what I mean? It's like now it's like with YouTube and the, and the way the younger generations have sort of accumulated all this information. And so just like that, you know, I remember mm -hmm. hearing about a record from some old sage, you know, you want to hear this John Coltrane record, you know, you want to hear this. Zanov record, you know, and you're like, yeah, I want to hear that shit. And then like, you know, six years go by because there's no way you can hear it, you know? And now it's like yeah. 20 <laughs> seconds after somebody tells you something, dunk, you, you got the whole experience at your availability. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, to me, you know, I'm totally like, you know, graffitiing myself with age through this whole interview, but it's it's really kind of it's really kind of answering you know it's the best way I can answer yeah. your question. I think it's a great time for music, and I think that it's it might take a little elbow grease to get interest in in our own music, but I mean really, it's there and it's it's able to live and and it'll eventually find its its place to make a nest or to develop a you know, to create a home for people, you know, with whatever it is of interest, yeah. you know, we all have the things that we are attracted to with music or we feel passionate about or, or feel we're connected to or validated with. And I think it's a great right. time. It's so easy to go find those things and find these brilliant fucking artists all over the globe who are doing great stuff, you know, and it's no more a case of like, you have to feel intimidated because somebody's kind of doing something like you're doing, like you know, like in the '80s and the '90s, there was a very sort of rigid, you know, frame that you kind of had to keep with yourself, you know, in order to be noticed, you know, or be heard. Now it's like it doesn't matter, man. Everybody just chill and do your thing, and eventually you will create resonance. And I think it's a beautiful time to be alive and to make music. You know, I mean, I really you made do. Made me feel a lot better about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, sure, it'd be great to make to make money a lot and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's there's ways to do it. You just have to, like, it's a grind. It's a fucking grind. Yeah. And if you can't put, you can't grind it, then it's it ain't going to happen, you know. 
Yeah. yeah I, f- I feel like it's a real double-edged sword. Like you said, they're like, you can find so many great people, especially something like Bandcamp. Like I, you know, I have my Bandcamp artists that are, are maybe more indie and just a different, uh-huh. it's just a different area of music for me than like a Spotify is, you know? And, and I feel like that is one of the great things, but it, also, like, there's so much noise to cut through to try to find something or try to put something out. And to, like, I was thinking about this the other day, and to, uh, I will date myself as well. I remember my older, my friend's older sister had Milo Goes to College. She had the CD by the Descendants. Oh, wow. And I could, I could only listen to that at, at her house. And eventually I was able to bring, like, a blank cassette over and, you know, dub a cassette from, from the CD, and then I remember just listening to that in my yard and just flipping out about it and thinking it was the coolest shit ever. And and I think part of what made that thing so special was the lack of access to it and kind of the mythologizing of it. Oh, absolutely, so absolutely. I kind of miss that aspect of it, but the availability might be a, a nice trade-off. Well, it is because you know, really, we have the ability to put out a record, and within minutes, somebody's listening to it. You know, it might not be what mm-hmm. we would like it to be, or you know, you know. Of course, everybody wants to get heard. They want to reach people. There's this communicate, this you know, really deep thirst to communicate your feelings and ideas about music and music technology with people. You know, and that's a beautiful thing. And you bet, there's times that sure, I've been frustrated too that I've you know made this amazing all analog record with all this old shit and crickets, man. You know, I've been, yeah. you know, I've been there, you know, it's yeah. like if I, if I wasn't affiliated with Earthquaker, I'm sure nobody would give two fucks about somebody like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's, you know, that's the way it is. And it has, that's, it's no reflection on, on you or your ability at all. It's, but it's no, just the, that's it's the, the way world it is. we live in you know, now. It's, and it's, yeah. It's a, yeah and, but it's, it doesn't mean that I haven't made really amazing collections and that music hasn't taken me literally around the planet before I was ever even involved with Earthquaker. You know, I toured over in Europe as a jazz drummer and, um, you know, I did lots of installations uh, throughout the United States and Europe um, with music concrete and multi-channel tapes, Um, you know, things like that. You know, I've played in a progressive, really vicious progressive heavy metal trio like you know death metal hybrid weird awesome band um you know i've played an amazing r&b and neo soul groups you know i've loved the idea of crossing over into different demographics not just musically because it's not just about music for me it's about human beings and it's meeting other human beings that you know you find an affinity with or some sort of connection with that's music, and that's what I carry with me when I wake up at four in the morning. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta, I gotta turn this stuff on, and I gotta write, I got this right now. You know, or I'm driving in my car. I'm like, I well, gotta pull over. <laughs> Sorry, you know. And that's how I write music. You know, what I mean, and that's when it happens. You know, it doesn't. It isn't just about the gear, and you know, I mean, I mean, it's awesome. I love. I'm just like the rest of us. I love gear and all that stuff. But really, there'll be many times I will look at it and I go, that's sweet. It's handsome. It looks good. I got nothing yeah. to say right now. You know, I've had, I've had that. I've had very, you know. I mean, I had a long period of that actually, unfortunately. And 
you know, went through a phase where I thought, you know, it's probably a good time to wrap it up, wrap everything up, you know. Um, so I understand the whole flow, but of the, you know, of that aspect of it. But, you know, it's not just popularity contest. It's, it's to me, it's really, it's connection. It's, and this is, I feel like even wherever I'm at now in terms of the amount of people that are or are not interested in my music is an accumulation of just many years of just, you know, working the road, going out and doing shows, going out and being a part of the scene, going to punk shows, going to fucking basement shows, you know, you know, rolling up my sleeves and learning a bunch of hard ass fucking jazz tunes or a bunch of Brazilian fusion or, you know, a bunch of R and B. How can I stay the hell out of the way of this stuff? You know, I mean, and the list goes on and on. And that's kind of like how I've been able to really have a beautiful musical family. And that also has, was a beautiful unconscious garden for me to just extend my life you know, um, as a transgender person, you know, that large collection of different demographics, you know, became a very, very uh, much needed safety net when I had to make the choice. Am I going to stay on this planet or am I going to leave? You know, and if I'm going to stay on the planet, you know, I have to go this way, you know. Yeah. Are you interested in getting started with modular synthesis, but you're worried about the cost? Join the hundreds of others who have never held a soldering iron in building your own superb modular synthesizer. All AI synthesis modules are wiring-free, skiff-friendly, have free schematics, and full how-to-build videos. They are, simply put, the easiest to build modules in the world. Not only does AI Synthesis fully support their own modules, they also have general guides for tools to buy, how to build a $26 oscilloscope, and much more. Find out more at AISynthesis.com. I have to say, um, again, I'll bring it, I'll bring it up. The if if listener, you have to check out the Columbus Alive article. Um, it was just so inspirational, and and you you talking about dealing with uh, you know just just thinking that death was the only way out. And I, you know, I don't know if you guys come to the Podular Modcast to get real, but I think this is something people need to talk about. And I've also been there, so it's nice to hear people, you know, tell their story and and. And your story is just so inspiring, and I don't know it. Yeah, uh, just thank you for sharing it with everybody. Well, absolutely, I mean, I think that's what it's all about—is just being real, and that's with whether it's your music or, you know, there's no reason to bullshit anybody because you know, I mean, we can see. I mean, that's one thing about today's music and arts and popularity contest gigs. It's like you can see the fucking bullshit all over mm-hmm. the place, you know, and. It's, I just want to stay away from that. I just want to be myself and make great music and, you know, play synthesizers and drink a lot of coffee. You know what I mean? Run, run tape. I love tape. You know, I love the computer, but, you know, whenever I'm, it's my turn. You know what I mean? When I'm done doing everything I have to do and, you know, session work and demonstration work and marketing and all that stuff, it's time for Lisa to, nothing better than smelling a, reel of tape you know four in the morning and then <laughs> and then hearing synthesizers come off of it you know or hearing oh, drums come off of it it's like ah! you know it drives me crazy i love it uh, having 
music as a safety net. I mean, it's it's obvious this has become something that you needed in your life and that you have, um, it, it sounds like you've never lost the love for it. At what point in your life did you know that you were going to be making music and that this is where you wanted to put your energy and uh, and when did you know that you received energy from it? Well, I mean, that's a big question for me in a lot of ways. Like, <laughs> and, and I'll try to put it in two, two parts. You know, initially, when I was young and coming up, it was just immediately there. You know, like I said, by the age of three, I knew exactly that's what I wanted to do. And, you know, as soon as I could get some instruments underneath my hands, I was going to dedicate myself to that, you know, and... And I did, you know, I eventually collected instruments. And I remember when a neighbor in this housing development I lived in offered to give me this organ for free. It's like in the middle of July, I talked to my best friend. I'm like, look, I'll give you every cent that I have if you'll help me carry this fucking thing down the block to my house. Because, <laughs> you know, it was an organ, man. You know, yeah. this is like 1985 or something. I'm just like. You know, the it big was the man center looking things. Yeah. One of those. I don't even remember what it was. It might have been a world, sir, or like a Lowry or something. But, you know, it had lights everywhere and two manuals. And, you know, I had um, two Sanyo cassette decks and I had a Tronics PA with spring reverb. And I wanted to make everything sound like a Mellotron. And, you know, that was it. You know, I was I had this thing. I was ready to go, you know. Had a drum machine in it, so you know, I had a cassette deck on one side, so you know I could record stuff, and you know, it was you know it was a huge time for me to be able to have something like that and and learn on it and experiment with it. But later on in life, you know, I, as a career with music, you know, I fucked around with it. You know, I, I worked more as a just a working musician, session player, because I could go and do these sessions or go do hotels and stuff. And then, you know, basically I'm getting paid to practice. You know, I'm practicing yeah. on the gig. I stay in the hotel all day and I practice. I write music or I study music theory or I sit there and study the ARP 2600 manual, you know, when I first bought it and write notebooks or I would study film scores. Um, you know, I would just sit and listen to film scores and I'd fill up notebooks with just like using my ear, you know, and developing, okay, you know, what keys, what modes are we using? What sounds, what synthesizer is that? You know, um, all that kind of stuff and just develop a rapport, you know, and I eventually as a profession, you know, I got in and out of it a bunch because you know how it is. It's like it pulls on your heartstrings and you're like, well, I don't feel good about doing this anymore as a living. So I'm going to go get a day job, you know, and then it, a day job just ruins everything. Cause you're again, going back to like people and human beings and demographic you know, a day job just like would put me around all these human beings that just made it more difficult for me to, you know, be able to find the muse, you know, or well, help myself. My language right now. You know, or hell, even myself for that matter. I mean, that's what one of the reasons it took me so long to transition. You know what I mean? Because, mm -hmm. you know, like you, I worked a lot as a tradesman and, you know, I had some welding skills and fabricating skills and stuff like that. You know, so I worked in that world, you know, polar opposite. But, you know, in a way it was cool because I was kind of just, I could just totally be invisible. I'd just stay quiet, you know? And, yeah, 
You know what I mean? So I did that on and off for a long period of time. And then eventually, you know, it was like, I just had that moment, you know, I had that epiphany where it's like, you know, this is, this is really stupid. I need to just stop being stupid and get on with it, you know, (laughs) and, and figure it out, you know, and, and I really just kind of meditated on it every day and just figured out a way to a completely turn my life around as a human being, you know, as a living, breathing person. Cause now, you know, I was, a, I became a parent and became, a, mm-hmm. I was responsible for another human being, you know, so that really wakes you up, you know, it's like, okay, I have to be as present of a parent as possible. That's, that's still, that's the most important thing in my life is to be the most present parent I can be. And, and so, you know, what better way to do that than by making music every day? And if that means I'm grinding on it to, for, to do a production for somebody or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, man, you are, you are like striking so many chords with me right now. I'm, I'm like kind of going through this thing where I, I've got this podcast, which I love doing, but I don't have enough time to do everything I want to do with it. And I want to make a new record, but I can't make a new record cause I'm making the, you know, doing the podcast and, you know, and just like the whole work thing is like, it's so not who I am as a person. And it's just, it's just draining me. And I'm just, I just, I don't know. It's, it's nice to hear that there's a, like you got out of, you know, people, people can get out of these ruts, like the one that I feel like I'm in right now. So it's, it's inspirational to hear that. You just have to stay uh, focused. You have to really want it. You have to really manifest it. You have to just, you, that's, that's the only way that I can say it, you know, and, and blessings kept coming to me, you know, whenever I just, whenever I really decided, okay, I know this could really blow up in my face. I mean, imagine, you know I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm going to change, yeah. I'm going to change genders. I'm going to start hormone replacement therapy. I'm going to change my body. I'm going to change my entire system. You know what I mean? And then, yeah. and then I'm going to change my entire career. <laughs> So, you yeah, know, I was, yeah. how has your writing and kind of your reasons for writing and what you get out of writing, how, if any, like, how has it changed since you've made your transition? I don't know. Um, to be honest, in terms of a composer, I can't, I can't really answer that. It's, it's changed. Yeah. It's, and it's changed in the way of like, man, how can I say it? Like... You know, I used to really like, I mean, I'm still a conceptualist, but I used to really be a heavy conceptualist. Like, I used to write mm-hmm. everything in my fucking head before I even sat at an instrument. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's how I like to do it. You know, I was like, uh-huh. it was just like, oh, I just loved it. You know, I was like, I could just, it was almost like, I don't know, what, it was like a shamanic, a shamanic experience or something. Uh, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to go too far over there because I don't, I don't know the, I don't know what's going on over there. I know some of those. I know some of that. I don't know all of that. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. when it came to writing, it's more like the just just transitioning and and making music my living again. I don't know. Whenever I do get a chance to compose and do my thing, I'm not in the way of myself anymore. I learned how to get out of my own way, and that's that was the best thing that I could have ever done is get out of my own way and not step into it, just allow it to come through. And as, as with omnipresence, you know, speaking about this record, cause it's really the, 
you know, I mean, there's a, there's a couple other records on there, but, you know, Skylines is kind of like, there's a lot of old stuff on there. It's, it's, a, it's kind of my old, the, and, you know, this is the best of my old life, you uh-huh. know, and looking out, looking on that's on there was, I had to do something. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And so I did it very quickly, and it's a cool record, you know? But Omnipresence is very much, that's who I've been developing for years. And all the tracks, where I'm going with this is the way I write now, all of those tracks that are on there were done in one session. Oh, wow. One a day. That's it. No fucking around. You get in there, <laughs> you got 16 tracks. After that, you don't have any more. So what are you what are you gonna say? How are you gonna how are you gonna decorate this piece of time? You know, and that's it. And it makes it it allows me to stay out of the way and the music I comes love, through. I, I, I love that that the the intentional limitations to to bend your create not even to not to bend it, but to it's almost like I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I almost feel like, because I have found myself trying to limit the size of my modular rack to kind of, to challenge myself for one and to like, almost be like, can you prove to myself that I can make something cool out of something limited? And I'm wondering if, if a lot of this, like we're, we're talking about how much the music has changed and with, with analog and, and, and Eurorack blowing up, I'm wondering if, if that's maybe some of the response, is a response to how just availability of everything, technology and music-wise. Like, are, are, are people maybe forcing limitations on themselves in new, new ways with old equipment or something? I, I feel like I'm rambling now, but I, I Well, no, you're I not. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, searching, you're searching for a really wide range of intentional purposes and they're all yeah. good. I, I don't have a conceptual rule, you know, I mean, let me explain something to you. I'm a very mm-hmm. ornery person. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I get myself in a lot of trouble, you know what I mean? Really fast <laughs> and I enjoy it. So uh-huh. with tape and, and I don't, I don't mind the computer. I love it, but I work on it constantly for production and for other people and to finish things. And, you know, um, and I'm glad that it's there. It's a great to transfer old tapes and man, I'm okay. That's saved. And you know, I don't have that Korg PS3100 anymore. Well, it's on there and I can access it. That's great. There's all sorts of things that I love about the computer, but with tape, it's for me, it's a personal thing. It's that's all I can say. It's not even conceptual. It's just like, I don't know. I just love it. I love not having to look at a screen. I love just looking out my window and looking at the, just knowing, okay, I've got this much tape. You know, the tape's going to run out. What are you going to do? It's like life, you know? It's like, and that's <laughs> how I feel about life. It's like, at this point, you know, my calibration of life, it's unique because I feel like I have so much love and, and want for life, you know? But I know that the years that I have left, even if I took perfect spotless care of my health, you know, I, I'm not going to make it, you know, I'm not going to have as much as I know that I've got in my, in me, you know? So I just, like I said, I try to stay out of the way of it and just enjoy every time I get to do it. And you bet there's times I use digital. There's times I don't have time to spool up a tape and, you know, 
I've got a session. I've got a 30 minute lunch break. I'll probably take 15 minutes of it and fire up a session. You know, I got this sequencer. I got this patch. I've been working on it, you know, or whatever it is, you know, or I've got this uh-huh. Fender Road sitting here and I've got it dialed in just right. I'm going to go and run it, you know, or I've got this uh-huh. kit set up for another session. And so I do use the computer, but records like Omnipresence, which I feel that's really who I am. That's what I do, you know, is to take tunes like that and just do them. You know, one shot, one afternoon, one morning, whatever it is. Do you view the uh, like omnipresent is kind of like your the first time you've captured yourself on tape, or is it just one one capturing of one moment in time? I don't know. I guess I mean I guess it's just a record that I feel really represents where I'm at in my life, and it it takes all the best of the old throughout my life. You know, all the things mm-hmm. I've been developing, and it celebrates that. But it doesn't hang on to any conceptual. It's just like, well, that's how I was feeling. That's what I wanted to do. Or, you know, a couple of those pieces, you know, I had been I had been thinking about them. You know, there's some there's some chord changes and stuff, you know, and some of those things. And those things take development, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's the performance of it. I guess I should be more specific. The performance of sitting down and just doing it and not laboring over it. Because sure, I've got records that I've got some really amazing stuff that when I listen to it back, it's like, yeah, you know, poof, that's heavy duty, but I don't feel it. It doesn't feel as good because it was something that I had labored over for six months. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I just don't want to do it that way anymore. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with it, but you know, I'm not 24 anymore. I can't, I don't have that luxury where I can sit down and go, okay, I'm going to think about this and I'm going to do this again, or I'm going to do 10 takes of this one part, or I'm going to do 10 etudes to this concept on the synthesizer you know i mean i used to do all that Uh shit and it's great it's great to build you know um compositional and arrangement muscle but at a certain point you just gotta like you just gotta get out of there man start running you know running with the (laughs) tune you know that's what i like to do now you know the more the more i can do it instantly you know you know one takes the red veils that's on there every every track one take I didn't do anything over, and I oh nice deliberately did that, you know, for no other reason. Just I'm gonna, it's either gonna go well or it's not. And had it not done that, had I not been able to capture it that way, I probably I probably would have never finished it at this point, you know. So that's the way I want to make records, you know. That's awesome, man. I hope everybody out there listening is feeling as inspired as I am. I'm, I'm like, I'm ready to work on my new album now. <laughs> That's it. Um, Just, you know, find, find your times, you know, and, you know, as Frank Zappa used to say, grab them and whack them until you get what you want. <laughs> you know, Frank was, you know, Frank is somebody to, to, I mean, Frank Zappa, man, every time I go back and I, I listen to the, you know, the way he spoke and, his process i mean jesus you know talk about a body of work doesn't matter whether we like it doesn't matter whether we even like it or not i don't like everything that he did you know i love a lot of it you bet but there's a lot of it that eh, you know whatever but you can't deny the brilliance and the depth of some of the stuff that he that he put together and made happen and you know So. It's funny as I get as I get older and and as I make more of my own music, the more I I lose that kind of the shitty attitude I have had as a kid of like talking shit about something I didn't like. Like 
I don't particularly like Zappa, but I'm I would like you you cannot deny everything you just said. Like the body of work and the just the the genius that was in that head is like it's undeniable. Yeah, intent over content for me. You know, I mean, and that goes with almost everybody. I love and you know, I love and not love a lot of musicians or a lot of artists. You know, I'm not just inspired mm -hmm. by other music. I'm inspired by cinematography, um, a lot, mm -hmm. photographers, just people, you know, people in general. You know, I love people who cook. I love hairdressers. You know, I love, you know, people who put together boutiques, you know, vintage clothing. Yeah. yeah. There's all Anybody sorts of stuff has... that instigates, you know, my level of ornery. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel, yeah, I, I get inspired by by other people who, who are just inspired themselves. Like anybody who is, who is manifesting like their personality into the world through, it's really through whatever, if they're doing it out of just love yes. of, of doing it, or even just the need to get it out. I, yes. that, that in it, that in itself is very inspirational to me. And I look at lately, I've been looking at a lot of developers um, or, you know, like effects builders and, you know, module builders and, while I got you here, I cannot not talk about Earthquaker. Absolutely. And that's been a company that's been hugely inspirational to me. Um, and it's been cool to that's wonderful. watch how, how crazy you guys are getting. So I'm going to start rambling now, but how did you get hooked up with those guys? Okay. Number one, yes. Earthquaker devices are so inspiring. And they have inspired me just immensely over the years. I, um, I've known Jamie Stillman since the early nineties. You know, we used to play a lot of house shows together and, you know, we were side by side in a lot of bands that developed over, you know, a couple of decades really. And back when I was playing, I was in, at this heavy metal project called Dead Sea. And it was, um, you know, it was a, you know, it was a really, I was really into it, you know, and I played guitar and, and I remember asking Jamie in conversation, you know, we spoke about stuff and he's like, yeah, I mean, I've been making pedals and stuff. And I was like, really? You know, so I was like, and, and so I started asking him, just simply asking him questions about, you know, why does this work like this and that, you know, I was trying to figure some things out for myself because the music was heavy metal, but it had lots of like other stuff, you know, there was big ass jazz chords every once in a while. And then sometimes it would just be full on crust punk. It was a really unique band. Um, you know, the music, it was unique. And, um, so Jamie, you know, I, was, I asked him to make me a, a pedal, you know, and with like a boost and stuff. And I still have it. I need to take a photograph oh, of nice. it soon, but, um, yeah, it's one of the first ever made, and I have one of the first hoofs ever made, and I still use it. It's still one of my favorite synth overdrives, distortions. But it's mm -hmm. just a silver box that doesn't even say anything on like The other one that he made me is like had like some of the first prototype of the logo and stuff, and it's handsome. It's all beat up, but it's been, <laughs> been run ragged. It still works, though. And yeah. long story short is, I don't know. We just, you know, we've known each other. I've known Julie on and off, you know, she used to book a club called Lime Spider in Akron, excuse me. And, you know, we were at a bar talking, you know, and it just seemed to make sense that we start working together. You know, I said, yeah, whatever you guys need me to do, you know, and, 
you know, not just demonstrate pedals, but like, you know, kind of like I said, I'm kind of a yes person with them, whatever, whatever the project is, you know, whatever we, whatever, whatever needs to happen, we'll make it happen. And so it's been a long, awesome, I mean, God, I think it's been like eight years I've been working with them and we have done a lot of stuff together. It's been great. And they, you know, they're just, Jamie and Julie are, they're, they're brilliant on such a multitude of levels that it's, it's humanly, it's human inspiration. It's, it's much more than just equipment pedals and all that stuff. That's great. For it's sure, awesome. For sure. They yeah, are just, you can, like, you they bring people together. Yeah. They have this amazing magic of bringing people together, bringing the right people together. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, and Jamie, he has that as his kind of, you know, that's how he's, he knows that's the end result. If he uses his beautiful creativity that he has and his, he's vast. He is an amazing musician. I mean, he's just a brilliant human being and a sweet human being, you know? So, I mean, what a combo mm-hmm. pack, you know, and Julie yeah. just has all the strategy. She's such a strategy sorceress, you know? So, you know, I love it. I love working with them and we roll together. You know, we, we yeah. always have we've always just rolled right. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> what's that traffic tune? <laughs> yeah, roll right stones. That's it, man. That's what we do. Roll right stones. Yeah, I, yeah. I have that. I have to say that the the afterneath reverb is. Oh man, has been just such a a huge piece of how I've kind of shaped my the sound that I'm I'm working towards for like the last four years. It's just, I don't know. There's nothing like it, and. No, um, there's not. There really isn't. I, and it makes me like think, what what do I have to do to get that in a module form? <laughs> well, there's a bunch of us, Mister. <laughs> we're we're working. We're trying to pester. You know, here's the deal. It's it's a situation where it's it's not it's not everybody doesn't think it's a good idea. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you have to remember that this is a some mom and pop biz, man. You know, it's, sure, yeah. it still really is, you know, we're still really, everybody's still doing it by hand. There isn't outsourcing all this massive fucking shit had to go into place in order to make that happen. And so it could stay right. that way. You know what I mean? And it took three, four, I don't know, maybe five at this point moves of location to make sure that that could happen. You know, keep moving to a bigger place. Okay, now all we're going to have to do this ourselves now. Because, you know, it's it's the classic case. If you want it done right, you have to do it yourself. You know, and mm-hmm. so they have surrounded themselves with a bunch of beautiful and brilliant people. I mean, the collection of people that they have working in that company is, it's it needs to go down in the books somehow, you know? And yeah. that's what it's about. It goes back to human beings. You can have all the great talent and ideas in the world, but it's getting the momentum of great human beings together. That's what's going to make yeah, something like see, that happen. It's it's it sounds silly to say, but like just following that on Instagram, I can see that you know they're 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 posting pictures of all their employees' birthday parties and so they all they just all look like they're they're like enjoying what they're doing. It's a bunch and of ornery know, fucking like that's just nerds. So important. That's all it is. It's a bunch of ornery 
brilliant fucking nerds. <laughs> That's all we are. We're just a bunch of nerds. I mean, I can sit here oh. and talk about this shit yeah. all night long with you, but really, we're just a bunch of nerds that really enjoy enjoy this, and we're really, yeah. you know, it's okay to go to, to go to bed later and get up earlier to do this. I mean, that's it. Uh, that's my dream. I have to wake up at 4.50 to go to work, and it's just, it's murder. I've been up since 4.50 this morning. Dang. Dang. So, well, shit. shit. I, I think, understand. Yeah, I could definitely do it if, uh, yeah, it's just... You know, you know how it is. If if I do, if you're at work all day and you're just thinking about what you you know what you want to be creating. Like I'm I'm creating stuff in my head while I'm at work, and then I get home and I tell myself I'm too tired to do it. But I think you know, I, I recently I've just learned I just got to kick myself in the ass when I get home. And be like, just just do get to work on something. And I usually find that if I if I start doing it, I actually start getting a little bit more energy. You know. Hey, if so. you tell yourself thirty minutes, you'll give yourself. 120 minutes if it's working and if it's not working yeah. it's okay turn the shit off you know take a bath go hang out with your wife whatever it is that you're doing you know what i mean mm -hmm. but no, a little bit a little bit good. here and there goes a long way until it's it's just it's something that's just automatic you know i mean i've been there you know i mean man my studio was probably at its fullest was when I was at was I was at my most depressed state, and I would go down in it, and I would look around, I'd be like, I don't, I have nothing to say, because you know I wasn't, I wasn't, I was so in my way in life, you know, I've been there. That's you know, that's so funny that you say that because it's I, I've dealt with depression my my whole life, and and I've I have spurts of creativity, and I I find that when I'm really really depressed, that's not when I'm making the best stuff. You know, it's Fuck there's no. like this <laughs> there's like this myth of people's pain creating like beautiful art, and that may be the case for some people, but if I'm making something and I'm light, you know, and it's and it's good, if my if my output is good, then that means I'm probably in like at least a semi decent place mentally. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, sure, sometimes music is melancholy or has lots of different emotions and all that stuff, but if I got it to tape, it was probably because I was already at that resonant point as a human where I'm like, you know what, yeah, I can see that. I can see that's how I felt about something. And, man, uh -huh. that's some dark shit. Uh -huh. But you know what? I'm going to lay it down because I probably should. You know, but it's not yeah. going to own me. It's it's not driving the car. You know, I mean, it's not it's not what's driving this. You know, right? I always try to feel. I always just use gratitude. You know, when I feel grateful about something, it opens up myself to make more room to be inspired about something. And if I get inspired about something, yeah, I always get motivated. And if I'm not motivated, I make great coffee or I hang out with my kid for a little bit, and I'm immediately like. Don't be dumb. Life's, life rules. If you have your health, <laughs> life rules. Yeah, my, my fiance just, just said something to me the other day that's really been resonating and helping me get through the, the work days. Is She said, maybe we dislike our jobs so much because our lives outside of work are so damn good. And I was like, you know what? what? I like that. That's I beautiful. I think that's true. And that sounds really, I mean, it may sound corny, no. but it's not know, at all. I don't know. You gotta, you gotta find that kind of stuff, man. This has been the most deep and uplifting episode of this, of this. Oh, podcast, I'm so glad. So. I'm so glad. I hope yeah. I didn't yeah. take up too much of your guys' time. You guys started oh, it. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. so um, yeah, we're closing in on an hour. Do you feel up to uh, doing doing a uh, a little patch challenge? The 
adjective is guttural. Ooh. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Oh, I hope it's a funny one. Sometimes they're really funny. And your noun is sector. Oh, yeah, baby. All right, so I'm going to just start a clock and uh, check in with you in a few minutes here. Hey, we'd like to introduce you to a new module by Recovery Effects, The Bleeding Hearts, a random sequencer, rhythm generator, destroyer, and filter. The Bleeding Hearts is an effect device that at its core starves, bit crushes, splatters, and filters audio sources like no other. Feeding a gate signal to the Bleeding Hearts enables a whole new world of strange and random analog generated movement. Every position of the eight-step sequencer can bleed into each other and interact with the destruction effect, creating gated and filtered splatters, glitches, and crunches that move to the beat of your patch. All right, well, so you may talk about how I made this patch right, first or play it. Know. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's. It, I always like to hear what people what people think about when they're making it. Like, okay, you know, how literally did you take it? Or, or yeah, just just what what, what talk about okay. your process. Well, okay, I'm using two different synthesizers, so everything's it's in hard left, hard right. Each synthesizer. Um, so basically, on one side I have. Two oscillators that are tuned unison, um, both at 16. Um, both pulse, pulse waves, different kinds of pulse waves. I have um, the mix of those all the way up. I have a bit of white noise in there, um, about 75% resonance. Um, the um, envelope generator is short attack, long decay, short sustain, long release. And um, I'm using the modulation of this as a control source also for the synthesizer on the other side of the speakers. And I have a sample and hold um, sound, you know, source going into a multiple, and then one of those is going into a, um, you know, a reverse and a reverse attenuator. And I'm sending that one to the other synthesizers. Um, oscillator one control. Um, and then I have the mod wheel kind of controlling how it affects both of them. On the other synthesizer, I have two oscillators that are tuned a fourth apart and 16 range and eight range. Uh, similar uh, envelope generator on that. Um, Low-pass filter on that side, and then pink noise, uh, just to kind of add to it. And yeah, that's about it, really. Oh wait, no, I have oscillator in the other synthesizer. I have oscillator two going into the noise noise source. Okay, so you got the the ARP and the and the grandmother. Yeah, Moog grandmother and Moog prodigy.
There. Gorgeous. Ready for bed now? <laughs> that was great. I can't wait to hear that in stereo. So if anybody likes, so where, where should people go to check out your stuff? Well, I mean, we, Lisa Belladonna Bandcamp. Um, I have two different uh, YouTube pages. I have one, Lisa Belladonna, and uh, one that's called Space Music Dream. And um, that one has a, a lot of different stuff that I've done. You know, both electronic. It has probably one of my best electronic pieces I've ever done I, uh, called Correlative Moons, which I did back in 93, 94 with two ARP 2600s. And, okay. um, yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty solid piece. Um, but, you know, it's pretty avant-garde, but it's a definite headphone piece. Well, there you have it, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, thank you again to Lisa Belladonna. And thank you to our sponsors, AI Synthesis and Recovery Effects. Um, I really hope you guys are checking that stuff out. If you want a, some cool DIY builds, go check out AI Synthesis. Really nice, easy kits. I just built the filter and uh, took me less than two hours and worked. First thing, plugged it in, fired right up. Did a little calibration, and it's uh, it's super fun. It's a pretty nasty filter. Got the uh, ADSR and the uh, the output mixer coming up next. And then if you want some really awesome effects, delay, glitch, fuzz, um, there's even an analog kick and uh, a very, very crazy new module called the Bleeding Hearts. Recovery effects has got you covered. Um, so, yeah, go check them out. Tell them the Podular Modcast sent you. And until next week... <laughs> <laughs>